And the Word became flesh and lived among us. Amen. Now, if there ever was an Asheville gospel reading, this is it. I mean, think about what we just heard. This is about as cosmic as you can get. In the beginning was now, and now it was in the beginning. It's universal, it's connective, it's one of those stories that says that which was from wherever that started is here now, and that which is specific has a universalness and eternalness. It's this combination of eternal and specific, universal and particular. Very, very primal connectivity that we hear. We hear the person of Jesus who actually was in at the very beginning of creation and now who is this body. The universalness of all things meets John the baptizer. We could just stop there and just go downtown and start having the drum circle or something like that. It would... But talk about life being seamless. Talk about life being connected and all things in life being connected. A couple of years ago, Thomas Murphy preached a sermon and he was quoting a physicist who said, because we know about our system of the earth and all the environs and that really all the elements are, are still, we're not creating new oxygen, we're not creating new hydrogen. The trees and us have this wonderful relationship where we continue to recycle the elements, but it's the same elements. It's not like they're being pulled in from some other place. And so the fact of the matter is, the very air that Mary breathed, we are breathing today. Those elements that you saw on the chart in high school science class, the very elements that coursed through Jesus' nostrils when he was born are in our lungs right now. That's probably what John's trying to grasp. How is it that something that existed before all time is now part of us and in us and became flesh and dwells among us? The very basic foundation of all being is particularly present in us. Well, one thing this story does is again proclaim the inherent connectedness of everything, which inherently means the sacredness of everything. If all of it came from the origins of whatever the origins were, and all those elements are part of it, every last bit of it is sacred, inherently. And that's what John's trying to convey this morning as John ponders, what does this coming of Jesus into the world mean? And what kind of language would even begin to describe it to help us comprehend our connectedness one to another, to God, from the very primal elements of earth? Last night, we heard the story of the birth, and it's tangible, and it's gritty, and I'm not a woman, so I can't appreciate giving birth in a stable and having a bunch of visitors come and see you. Talk to my wife about that. Though she was very specific about who could come and who couldn't. Wondered about me, but that's another story. <laughs> 
But now what we're doing this morning is being invited to step back and look at the universal foundation of our very beings and the fact that every moment of our life is about that. Every action we choose, every thought we hold has the source as that foundation. We are grounded in that. We are born in that. Communion with God. The word that existed before anything existed becomes flesh and lives in us. Communion at the most primal, elemental, spiritual, foundational levels. That's our foundation. Those are our origins. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen this glory. The glory of God's only Son, full of grace and truth. And no doubt you've heard in other sermons that word lived among us, dwelt among us, parsed a lot of different ways. You can say in the ancient language, pitch tent with us. I think you could also, at least in my mind, it gives a great connotation to say the word became flesh and hung around with us. I mean, think of hanging around. Very different than if Jesus showed up for a day with you, what would you do? You'd probably, you know, think of all these things to do. Or you might just go get cosmic somewhere and sit up on Mount Pisgah, I don't know. But what Jesus is doing, what God is doing in Jesus is just hanging around in all that kind of downtime. What does it mean that God chooses to hang around with us? Hey, Jesus, you want to go get a Coke somewhere? Or It's Asheville, I'm sorry. Jesus, you want to go get a beer somewhere? Um, knowing Jesus, he probably would. When the group of us this summer, young people and adults, went to Matanzas, Cuba, we intentionally chose to hang around. It was not a trip to go do something, to build something or paint something, which I'm not putting that down necessarily, but it's a very different trip simply to say, we're going to spend 10 days hanging around with you. We're going to live in your neighborhood. We're going to live in your space. We're going to have meals together. We're going to walk to the bodega, the, the government places where they get their foodstuffs. And then we're also going to walk with you to the unofficial food places because the bodegas really don't provide enough, so we're going to go find the people that bring the fruit and the people that when we wanted to get a cake for birthday and all those other places, and we just walked around the town. We hung around and watched sunsets together. We ate together. We danced together. We did a lot of dancing, a lot of dancing. Hung out with artists and musicians got to watch them as they worked their craft in that nation. And the church that we were connected with itself truly was one of those old watering holes because in a country where fresh water is, is very valuable, they have open spigots with fresh water for anyone who wants to come and fill your jugs and your jars. And people do all day long. There's just this constant stream of folks who come with their jugs and stop and talk and catch up. How was your family? How was your day? Just hanging around with each other. Now, can we say that in 10 days, we know all about Cuba and all about those folks? Well, no. But I'm thinking of a God who, in Jesus, chooses to spend a lifetime just hanging around at the water spigots. A God in Jesus 
who shows up at the wedding of Cana to make sure he doesn't miss the dancing part of the reception. The God in Jesus who walks with people to the markets and observes things and watches sunsets and points to things. The Word became flesh and hung around with us. What does that tell us about God? And what does that tell us about ourselves? That we are the kinds of folks that God wants to hang around with. And we have beheld the glory. We have seen the glory. And as I'm thinking about that word, the glory word, I'm thinking of where my mind typically often goes, especially in church circles, when we think of Jesus' glory. You know, look at that window. Some of you in the corner, I'm sorry, you can't see, but it's the story of the Jesus, preteen Jesus, talking to the elders. And Jesus is there with this halo around his head, right? At age 11, he's already got a halo. What have we done to the poor guy? And we think of Jesus' glory, and we think of this transfiguration story, and oh, and angels, and things like that. And I'm thinking that the glory that we are beholding is not a halo on an 11-year-old. No offense to the artist. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, for that window. But the glory that we beheld is a God who hangs around. Every chapter of your life, every moment of our life, I'm starting to think that's the glory of God, not the radiance but we beheld the glory of someone who sees us as ones to be with, as ones to delight with, as ones to share life with, as ones to be born in again and again and again. We beheld the glory because God chose not simply to leave us some tablets, but chose to be with us and to dwell and to live and to hang around us. We don't hear the story today, but after Mary, well, back when Mary is pregnant and she gets the angel's message, she goes to her friends Elizabeth, who is having another miraculous child late in her life. And you know the story. Mary walks into Elizabeth's home, and Elizabeth says, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to be with me? Now, she doesn't suffer from low self-esteem. She doesn't need a therapy visit. These are old friends. But she has this place of awe and reverence to say, who am I that you, this embodiment of God, should see me as one to be with and spend time with? It's a huge sense of reverence and awe in the most healthy of senses. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like Elizabeth, we too can say, indeed, who are we that God chooses to dwell among us? All things are connected. The very origins of time and the very elemental elements of time are found in us in this moment. God chooses to live with us. Indeed, who are we that God chooses this?